Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Diamond Digest's Top 10 Right Now series. I'm your host, Sean Huff, and I'm here with James Tarchevsky today. And we are going to count down the top 10 shortstops as voted on by about two dozen of the staff members, writers, editors, and researchers at Diamond Digest. How are you today, James? I'm good. I'm good, Sean. Lockout's not over, though. So Lockout's not over, but about that. we've had three-hour meetings two days in a row. Yeah, that's longer than most of the meetings this, this winter. <sighs> we'll get, hopefully we get baseball at some point. But until then, we'll just have to talk about it and assign numbers to things. Yep. And that's what we're going to do today. So, like I said, this episode is going to be shortstops. And before we get into the list, I just wanted to ask you how your experience was making this top 10 list, what your view was on this group of players. Uh, this is the most talented group in baseball. Uh, there were a lot of players who received votes, whether it was one or number 15. There were a lot of really good players on this list, and it's it's most star-studded, and it's the deepest position. So other than maybe pitcher, this is probably the best group of talented baseball players the majors has right now. Yeah, I'm right with you there. When I filled out my top 100 list for this season, three of these guys were in the top 10. Eight of them were in the top 50. Twelve of them were in the top 100. The only positions with more guys in the top 100 were starting pitcher and third base. And third base didn't have anywhere near the height of rankings that shortstops did. A lot of guys towards the bottom of the list there. And I will say a lot of guys got votes here. It was really hard to rank this list. There's a pretty clear top 11, 12, 13. But after that, there's seven or eight guys who are good and you want to give one of your spots to, but you just run out of room. Yeah. It's a very crowded ballot. You know, there's a lot of players who, if they weren't shortstops, they'd probably be top 10 at their position. Yeah. The best example of that would be an inverse here. Uh, the last episode we recorded and posted was second base. I don't know if any of you have listened to that, but Javi Baez made that top 10 pretty easily. Uh, even We ranked him as a second baseman, even though he's going to be playing shortstop for the Tigers because we had to decide positions before a lot of signings were made. And he made that list comfortably. If he was at this position, I think he ends up ranking about 13th. Yeah, he wouldn't be in my top 10 just because I'm worried about... How, I'm just worried about the offense. Uh He's, a, he's an incredible base runner, very intelligent base runner. That's going to age well. The defense should be fine. It's just the bat. He doesn't walk. Yeah, can't very put him in the top 10. player profile. But enough about the second baseman slash shortstop who we've already talked about. We'll get into these guys. So... We're going to start with two guys who received a huge amount of votes. They came in 11th and 12th at the position, respectively. I'm not going to say which one was in which slot. I'll just present them in alphabetical order. Just missing the top 10 for Diamond Digest are Willie Adamas and Brandon Crawford. Now, Adamas, is, he's always been good, but he left Tampa, which is usually a bad sign except it turned out he was one of those guys where hitting at the trap is a curse. And he was great with the Brewers. He's going into his age 26 season. Last year, he had a 119 WRC+. plus. That's weighted runs created where 100 is league average. Every point above 100 is 1% better than league average. He had 4.1 Fangraphs war. The last two years, he actually has a 121 WRC+, plus and 5.6 Fangraphs war. However... His glove is terrible. He was minus eight outs above average last season and minus 12 the last two years combined. And then there's Brandon Crawford, who's the old guy here. He's going into his age 35 season. And quite honestly, I thought he was washed. But last year, 
139 WRC+, 5.5 F4, 356 expected weighted on base average, and 15 outs above average. He received first place MVP votes last year. They were homer votes, but still, they were votes. Do you have any strong feelings about either of these guys? I know as a Giants fan, you might really detest... Sorry, as a Dodgers fan, you might really detest Crawford or something. I mean, I didn't expect him to be the player he was in 2021. I, I mean, no one did. But it's hard for me to see him repeating that performance, just given the age and then the previous two years before 2021, where he had kind of just become a shell of peak Brandon Crawford. And then it's like he came back from the dead. It's some sort of weird zombie year after age 32. And it's a great this. Yeah. I just don't feel comfortable putting him in a top 10 again, but that doesn't mean he isn't a great player. Again, he's a shortstop at a time where there's a lot of talented shortstops. If he's a second baseman, maybe he makes the top 10. Yeah, I agree with you. I had him 12th in my personal rankings. He still made my top 100 players, but couldn't quite crack the top 10 here. He was also 12 on my list. All right, we're going to get into the list now. At number 10, Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays. And Bichette is going into his age 24 season. He's one of the real young guys on this list, and there are a couple of them. He can really hit. 122 WRC plus last season, 126 for his career. Last year, 4.9 F4. Add in the fact that he had 6.9 base running runs, and that's a really good offensive profile. The only downside with Bichette is that he was minus six outs above average last season at shortstop. It's not a good glove at all, but he really hits. He's really young. What are your thoughts on Bichette? You covered a lot of the bases there with Bichette. I've he's really a fun player to watch for the Blue Jays. Uh, this was his first full season in the majors because I believe yes, in the two seasons before he only played seventy five games, wasn't really around the team that much. So in the to have this type of production in your first full season in the majors, it's really impressive. The downside's obviously the glove, and that's a big deal, especially at shortstop, where you're going to want your best defenders at that position, but the Blue Jays seem willing to eat the loss there since the offensive production is so tantalizing. And he's only going to be 24 this upcoming season, so there's you can still believe he can be a better defender and will probably move up this list very soon. I hope so. I This is about where I had him. I couldn't justify him going very high on this list, even though he is super young, and that there's a lot of good hitters on this list. There's a lot of more established hitters on this list, and there's a lot of guys with better gloves on this list. But he's still an excellent player. He's still going to be 24 He's going to hit. That's not a question. And he's an excellent base runner. We're going to go on to a player who was surprisingly polarizing when we made this these top tens. I'm sorry, White Sox fans. I know Diamond Digest is your go-to website. But number nine, Tim Anderson. Anderson had a great season last year. He was 28. He'll be 29 next season. And last year, he put up a 120 WRC+. plus. He had 6.1 base running runs. That's very good. And despite his reputation for being a butcher in the field, he was plus three outs above average at shortstop. In fact, he's been positive each of the last three seasons, according to outs above average. And his hitting isn't a fluke, despite the high BABIP. He has a 127 WRC plus over the past three years. The way he does it is weird. He doesn't walk. He swings at everything, and he runs a bat up in the 370s, but he keeps doing it, and at this point, I don't think it's an aberration. Yeah, he's... 
he has never had a walk rate above 5%. And in the last three years where he's had, I would say, star to superstar caliber production, he's never topped 4.5% walk rate. Yet he's still been a very valuable player. He won the batting title in 2019 for whatever that's worth. <laughs> uh, in the modern day and age, it's just it's like getting a gold star or something like from kindergarten. You know, congratulations! You had the highest batting average when we care about OPS and weighted gets, runs. Gets you a little bit plus. more in your arbitration hearing. Yeah, here's an extra thousand dollars because yeah. you hit three thirty-five instead of three oh five. But he can get on base mostly because he can hit, not because he can walk. Has a decent amount of power. It's fast, and he's exciting. So oh, very exciting player. On as much as I like to make fun of the White Sox fans here because our editor in chief is a White Sox fan. The White Sox are a fun team. Yeah, uh, my family, they're White Sox fans, so they all love Tim Anderson. So Can't blame them. Seems I've, like a genuinely cool guy. I mean, watching the White Sox the, last year, they were a fun team to watch. And they're going to continue to be so, a fun team. Yeah, and Tim Anderson is, he was part of the reason behind that. Yeah, and it was very interesting to me to see that the glove is actually good because I hear... I've known his reputation has been as a bad fielder for a while. And no, he's just solidly above average every season, according to StatCast. Maybe those defensive metrics are less mainstream. I didn't check the more standard DRS or UZR, but maybe it hurts him that the White Sox don't shift in those numbers. But according to StatCast, he's good. Well, he's been uh, about average. Over the last three seasons, he's, he has negative one defensive run saved overall. That's just kind of average. UZR doesn't like him. He's firmly in the negatives. But hmm. defensive metrics, it's it's hard because it's kind of just yeah, like a all-you-can-eat buffet. You kind of just choose hmm. what's the most appetizing to you. Yes. So if you're trying to defend Anderson as a good defender, you use outs above average. If you want to say he's a bad defender, you can use UZR. And it's all right because defensive metrics just aren't as reliable as we want them to be. Yeah, they're a very nebulous black box. Hopefully, outs above average will end up being the defining defensive metric, but it still needs some tweaks. Now we're going to move on to someone who gets most of his value these days from defense. Number eight. I This was a hard one to do. Francisco Lindor. Lindor, well, we all know what happened. Lindor, in his age 27 season, played for the Mets for the first time. He got away from Cleveland. It was a blockbuster trade. He signed a huge extension. And he didn't hit. That's not to say he didn't hit at all. He had a 103 WRC plus for the season. That's above average. But that's well below what you expect from a player of Lindor's caliber. He had 2.7 F4 total for the season. That's fine. Reasonable starting major league player. Again, it's not what we've come to expect from Lindor, who was once considered one of the generational talents. He did, however, perform monstrously in the field. Positive 20 outs above average. I believe that was second in MLB. And he turned the bat around a little bit. In the second half, he had a 118 WRC+. Still, definite down year for him. He hadn't hit like an elite player the past few seasons, but he had still been good. How'd you deal with Lindor when you were ranking these guys? It was tough because I wrote about Lindor's struggles that was one of my first articles with Diamond Digest. And a lot of it was just, I think it had a lot to do with the pressure of signing the deal he signed, 10 years, $341 million, just to top Fernando Tatis. Just to beat Tatis. And New York is a ruthless media market. And going from small-town Cleveland 
where you're the guy and everyone loves you to New York, that's a tough transition. And I think it weighed on him a bit. I think that's part of the reason why he did what he did towards the New York faithful, but he is a very talented player. It's just the last three years, his offense has been declining. He had a WRC plus of 118 in 2019, then 104 during the pandemic season, and then 103 this last season. And as much as I want to write off the pandemic season for many players, seeing him post a WRC plus that's slightly above league average, it's concerning if you're paying him the amount of money you're going to be paying him. Because 2022, if I am, if I'm correct, is the first year of his extension. I believe that's correct. Now, the good thing with Lindor is he has a very high floor. He's probably the premier defensive shortstop right now. It's between him and Nick Ahmed. And Nick Ahmed is atrocious at the plate. So Lindor's the guy. So if he does just hit around league average, okay, that's still a good player. That's a good quality starting major league player. But we've seen Lindor be an MVP candidate. Uh, I'm curious, has his walk rate declined at all? It seems like you have fan graphs open. I do. Uh, Over the last three seasons, it has gone from 7% to 9% to 11.1%. That's interesting. But his strikeout rate has also gone up from 15 to 15.4 to 18.3%. I'm Lindor just has all the talent. I think he is due to have a very good season. He's entering his age 28 season, and historically, that is a very good season. That's the prime. For players, especially when you are as athletic as Lindor is. Yes. So. Yeah. And I know we've disparaged him. I love Francisco Lindor. I think he's a great player to watch. I hope he really turns it around, but... He makes me nervous at this point, especially with the ball being dejuiced. He's a littler guy. He doesn't look like he should have 40 home run power, yet he had 40 home run power. Now the ball doesn't go as far, and he doesn't have 40 home run power. Yeah, I think if you can get 20 to 25 home runs from him and like a 115 WRC plus with excellent defense. Yeah, that's a four-win player at least. That's a five-win player just because of the value that having a great defensive shortstop can bring you. You're not worried if you're the Mets, especially with Steve Cohen (laughs) just opening the checkbook up for whoever wants to play for the Mets. Yes. So. Yeah. If Lindor can get back into the 115, 120 range, He's probably in this top five next year. If he stays right around league average, he might be 12th or 13th next year. We're going to have to see. And now at seven, someone who had a quieter decline in 2021, but a decline nonetheless, Trevor Story, currently of no team. Story is going into his age 29 season, And in 2021, he was not great. Exactly 100 WRC+, 3.5 F4, which is still pretty good. I don't know how he arrived at that number, however, because he was bad on defense, at least according to StatCast, where he had minus 7 outs above average. He did still manage to hit 24 home runs, but cores. And it's worth noting that he had a 293 BABIP, This was all over 595 plate appearances. If you take his previous three seasons, 2018 to 2020, and you take his averages for 595 plate appearances, you would get a 124 WRC+, plus 5.2 F4, plus 5 outs above average, 31 home runs, and a 353 BABIP. So are we chalking Story's struggles up to bad luck? Do we think he was playing through injury since the defense declined too? Do we think going away from cores is going to make him not be an elite hitter anymore? Or presumably going away from cores? 
I hope he goes away from cores. It has nothing sake. to do with has nothing to do with me cheering for the Dodgers. It's just the Rockies are a mess. Yeah, and he doesn't want to be there. After the trade deadline, he pulled himself out of the lineup in San Diego because he thought he was going to get traded and then didn't and then just didn't play that night. Like that's not a person you want around your clubhouse, whether you're rebuilding or whatever the heck the Rockies are doing. Pardon my language. I had, <laughs> I'm trying to keep this as clean as possible, but when talking about the confounding existence that is Colorado Rockies, it's, it's something else, but I think the, the throwing issues are real with story, or at least they were last year. Fangraphs rated him highly, which is another by UZR and DRS. Both were above zero, which again, I think is just defense and metrics are weird and you shouldn't just take them at face value. Yeah. Because a lot of scouts were saying Story's arm got a lot worse and he made a lot of errors, which is how they measured defense in the dark ages, but it still can be a helpful tool for evaluating defensive prowess. Now, I think he'll hit again. I think it's just the Rockies are so bad that they made him worse. That's my only theory. I I don't disagree with you. The Rockies have an area of effect, and I think that area of effect includes every player to put on a Rockies jersey. They, I'm glad the Rockies exist. I'm glad there's this joke franchise that we can all make fun of and marvel at their incompetence. I feel really bad for the players who aren't Herman Marquez. I feel Some, bad for the fans because there's yeah, a lot great fan I mean, base. Coors Field can sell out if it's a good if it's a good Rockies team. I've seen it live, but they. They're the Jacksonville Jaguars of baseball. They're the New York Knicks of baseball. They just, I don't understand how they remember to hit a baseball. And somehow that sickness spread the Trevor story. I think when he, when, that's my bold prediction, he leaves the Rockies and free agency when the lockout's over. I think when he leaves, he's going to get a nice bump in his numbers just because it is very taxing traveling to and from Colorado. Have you ever been to Colorado, Sean? I have not. All right. Well, I don't know if our listeners know this, but I am from the Centennial State of Colorado. And traveling for a weekend and back there, it is very taxing on the body just because of the change in altitude. Many people probably just didn't know this, but it is hard on the body. And, you know, when you look at the home and away splits for players on the Rockies, everyone just chalks it up to cores because it's high altitude. But traveling to and from Colorado, it's just very taxing because of the drastic altitude change. And you have to adjust to hitting in Arizona or Los Angeles or San Diego or San Francisco where it's not as high up and the air isn't as dry and that's going to weigh down their road numbers. So I think story will see a boost because he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. There definitely is a hangover effect there with cores. I, I really hope we get good story in 2022. I hope we get, any version of any player in 2022. Yeah, no kidding. But I hope we get good story. He's a lot of fun. He's been fun ever since he came up and hit two home runs against Granke in his first game. And hasn't really continued to be fun. Yeah. I mean, how many does he have for his career? 158. Also, good base stealer. Good base runner. Uh, Had a quietly had a 2020 season Hmm. and it was, his uh, third season of having at least 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. 
not many of those guys left. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and now I'm so excited to say it. I'm so excited to talk about this guy. I am too. Number six. We clearly have Faith debuting on the top ten. Wander Franco. Wander Franco is the youngest player on this list. He's the youngest player on any list we will make this offseason. He was 20 in 2021 as a rookie. He's younger than I am. James, I think he's younger than you are too. He's going into his age 21 season. In 308 plate appearances last season, he put up a 127 WRC+, plus, two and a half Fangraphs war. He was minus one out above average at shortstop. Who cares? In 948 career minor league plate appearances, mostly as a teenager, he put up a 156 WRC+. Plus. And just a little story here. I got to see Wander play in person in the final series of the year when the Rays played at Yankee Stadium. As some of you know, I'm currently living in the Bronx. That's where I go to college. So I went to that series. I saw Wander have, I believe, a 13 pitch at bat against Jonathan Loizaga. It was one of the most impressive at bats I've ever seen. Wander's hit tool is unreal. I don't care if he's a slightly below average fielder. He's going to hit. He's going to get on base. He's going to have power. And he's going to be really good for the next decade and a half. There's so much to talk about with Wander Franco. I don't even know where to begin. I had him at number five. I did too. I, I am all in. I remember when he made his debut, I was at a training at my work. And on the drive back, the game had started. And I have the game on the radio. And then I go home and I turn the TV on. And I'm just glued to this 20-year-old yes. who's like nine months older than me which is also kind of weird to think about. But <laughs> he's he's so electric. He makes the Rays worth watching in their dumpy ballpark. The Rays. The, yeah. I mean, and he's going to be in Tampa Bay for a long time, ideally. Maybe. Which, I mean, he did sign the Evan Longoria-type extension. He did. The so, Rays will trade him halfway through. But. Well, Evan Longoria also had a decline. True. And Wander doesn't have to. He plays a premium defensive position Yeah, with an elite be, hit tool. He'll be like early 30s when that ends, I think. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous how good he is. Uh, all, Just an all the tools picture. are there. He very well could be number one on this list by this time next year. It would not surprise me. I remember also the day he debuted. I was in the Outer Banks with my partner and her family, and there was a hurricane going on, so we could not get internet. So the only update I could get on Wander's debut was a Mike Petriello tweet that read, and I quote, that was the most exciting walk I've ever seen. And I think that sums up wander pretty well he's got this great hit tool but he also just commands the strike zone at every level he's ever played he had more walks than strikeouts unbelievable talent like i said literally younger than me he's also should have been be great. the uh also should have been the rookie of the year oh if he plays 10 more games he's the rookie of the year easily randy rosarena i looked this up before we take this in double the games was just a win under a win more valuable than Wander Franco, despite playing double the games. Yeah, and Rosarina is a good player, but Wander is some Wander's generational. I mean, he is his eye is beyond his years. He had the forty game on base streak, and yeah. is being mentioned in sentences with Ted Williams at the age of twenty. It's just amazing. Just an absurd player. I, I'm so excited to keep watching him. 
yeah, we could I could gush on about Wander Franco. A I lot could too. <laughs> we could make this a whole episode if we want to. Yeah, I think Fangraphs did that when they gave Wander the eighty future value. Well, maybe we'll have to do a special bonus episode on Wander Franco at some point. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot to like with him. So so much. Well, Wander's the exciting guy on this list. We're going to move on to one of the stalwarts. Someone who's been on this list since I remember first making one. Number five, Xander Bogarts. Bogarts didn't have his best year in 2021, but it was a pretty typical year for him. It was his age 28 season. He'll be 29 next year. 130 WRC plus 5.2 F4 in 603 plate appearances. Now, he's an atrocious fielder, minus 9 according to outs above average. He's always very bad, no matter what the fielding metric you use. So, it would be logical to wonder why a guy who just hits year in and year out, and is relatively young, like I said, he's only going to be 29, is down this far on the list. And to me, it's a combination of, this is a great, talented group of players. And he didn't hit at all in the second half last year. He put up a 105 WRC plus in the second half, and that has me concerned. His exit velocity also went down in the second half. I am a little worried about his offense, and if his offense slips to non-elite levels, well, the glove is terrible, and he shouldn't be on the top 10 at all. Yeah, I had him lower than number five on my list. Uh, my top, I believe my top 10 or are- however many players will be revealed at the end of the episode. So I can explain more then, but his fielding is why I ranked him as low as I did, but the offense is there. He's a great hitter. He's done it in the postseason as well, which is very important. If you're on the Boston Red Sox, (laughs) you're probably going to be in the postseason and will get a lot of negative press if you don't do anything there in the postseason. So, Yeah. He's a, he's a good player. He does puts up the same season every year, pretty much. My only cool Xander Bogarts fact is that he played for the Netherlands in the WBC, which is awesome. That's always a fun team to watch every four years. Because they get all the players from Curacao, isn't it? Like I think Kenley exactly. Jansen, Kenley played, Jansen for them. played for them. Kenley Jansen caught for them. I think Andrelton Simmons played for them. Jerickson Profar, Andrew Jones. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of very talented Netherlands players. <laughs> yeah, I really don't have much to say about Bogarts. He's consistent. He hits. He can't field. We all know about him by this point. There's nothing new to say, really. Consistency is nice. And that's what you're going to get with Bogarts. Yeah. Is it boring? I don't know. Red Sox fans don't seem to care. Yeah, Red Sox fans love him. Now, do you, do you want to take the next one? I know you're excited. Oh, yeah, I'll take the next one. My former favorite shortstop, Corey Seager, coming in at number four. I ranked him number two, and most of that was because I wanted him to come back to the Dodgers. Uh, I hope he does well in Texas. I think he will do great, but... If I had to re-rank this, he would probably be lower just because that was a bit of a homer pick. I wanted him to come back to the Dodgers. Uh, I don't really want my rose-colored glasses to impede any analysis on him, so I'll let you take the (laughs) mic for a bit, Sean. All right. Well, in fairness to you, Seager is an excellent hitter. He was 28 in 20. Sorry, he will be 28 in 2022. And the past two seasons, 2020 and 2021, he combined for 641 plate appearances of a 148 WRC plus, 
five and a half Fangraphs war, a slash line of 306, 381, 545. He's another guy like Bogarts. He doesn't field at all. He was above average as a fielder in 2020, but it was 2020. Pandemic Take those numbers season. with a huge grain of salt. Yeah. But he really hits. He crushes the ball. He is one of the most consistent hard contact rate guys in the majors. His ex-WOBA is always elite. His ex-batting average is always elite. He walks. He doesn't field, but who cares when he hits that well, and he's at least competent at short. He's a great hitter. He's already used to the ballpark in Texas, the Home Depot. Yeah, the I would argue the highlight of his career was at that ballpark where he hit seven home runs. Isn't he like second all-time in home runs at that park? I couldn't tell you, but that sounds right. But and he recently got a lot more money to play at that ballpark. 325 million over 10 years. I was a little shocked at the value. I'm not gonna lie. I would not have liked if the Dodgers had paid him that much. But well, especially with another shortstop sitting right there for the Dodgers. I am happy for him. I will continue to root for him in Texas because he helped the Dodgers win in 2020. Uh, obviously there have been injuries, but they're very fluky. Uh, in 2018, he had to get hip replacement surgery and Tommy John surgery. How often do you see that? That's, I don't think that's going to come up again. The only thing that his hip surgery affected was his defense. And, Many scouts were saying at the time he was drafted, he would eventually have to move to third base because of his size. So yeah, he might be a third baseman soon. It was a very, it's a very predictable outcome. And then in 2021, he missed time because he fractured his wrist getting hit by pitch. Yeah. He, he does have an injury history, but it's not a concerning injury history. Yeah, he's not injury prone. These aren't soft tissue injuries. These are fluke occurrences yeah so he's not byron buxton he's not troy Tulowitzki. yeah he is a very talented player i still love him but he can't be my favorite shortstop if he's not repping dodger blue i'm sorry Corey, if you're listening to this yeah Corey, if you are listening to this or if any mlb player is listening to this let us know and we'll rank you five spots higher now let's move on to presumably your new favorite shortstop. Yeah. Legitimate NL MVP candidate in 2021. And by my money, one of baseball's 10 best players, Trey Turner, now of the Dodgers. Turner was excellent in 2021. He will be 29 next year. Last season in 646 plate appearances, he put up a 142 WRC+. Plus. He was a 7-win player, 6.9 F4. He was plus 0. That's above average at shortstop. That's fine. And in his last 905 plate appearances, he has a 147 WRC+. Plus. 2021 was not a fluke offensive year for him. He might be the best base runner in baseball. He hits at an elite level. He's a fine enough fielder. The only question with him is, are you going to get 480 plate appearances or are you going to get 700 plate appearances, really? Yeah, I mean, I also wrote about Trey Turner when the Dodgers acquired him back at the trade deadline last year. He really filled a need for that team. They needed speed on the base pass, and that's arguably his best skill. Ever since uh, the StatCast era commenced in 2015, he has been the top rated player in terms of sprint speed only tim locastro has even matched him and tim locastro as fast as he is does not have the offensive profile that trey turner does <laughs> and last year there was quite a power surge hitting for a career high 28 home runs along with 32 stolen bases 
Yes, and I believe he led NL position players in Fangraphs War, but I will check that for us. I think he, I think it is. And if you look over the last two seasons, he is the leader in Fangraphs War among position players. He's among all position players. I believe so. Wow. And then the defensive metrics, you can't really. I don't really knock him because he was playing a position that isn't hit like he was playing second base for half for the yeah he's not part of last base. year so i think he was a better defensive shortstop than seager but you're it it was kind of a weird fit with the dodgers it was just yes we're getting turner so we don't have to pay seager and then we'll give him like six years 180 million yeah this spring and but, here it is turner Last year was the position player war leader by Fangraphs. Past two seasons, he's second to Jose Ramirez. So, tops in the National League. Yes. Which is very impressive. Uh, yeah, it was... I expect great things from him in 2021. I do too. So, only reason I had him ranked four was because I think... Two of the three were better, and the other one was a homer pick. Yeah. And let's get to those two guys that are better. Because at number two, and I'm going to say right now, when we voted on this, up until the time that I voted, which I always did my votes last this year, these two at one and two were tied for number one, according to our, our staff here. And I broke the tie and decided which one was one and which one was two. But clearly, we have high opinions of these players as players. I'll give that caveat. Number two, Carlos Correa, hopefully soon a Miami Marlin. Right now, no team. Correa had a great season in 2021. He has finally shed the injury-prone label putting up full seasons in the past two years. Well, as full of a season as you could in 2020. 640 plate appearances in 2021. 134 WRC+, 5.8 F4, plus 12 outs above average. He's going into his age 27 season. He's probably going to get $350 million from someone. He's very young and he's a great player. And hopefully it's not the Yankees, even though that would be entertaining to watch. I Correa is a great player. It was really hard to decide between these top three. Even Turner's a great player. I I can completely understand why a lot of people put Correa at number one on their list. I know you probably don't like Correa as a person, but as a player, there's a lot to like. Five tool player, uh, best infield or at least four tool player. I don't know if he has the speed, but yeah. I don't watch many Astros games, so <laughs> please let me know if I'm wrong. I, I will check his sprint speed for you. Because I know he doesn't have any many stolen bases. No, but that, to, that could be an injury yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I don't know how fast Carlos Correa is. But the other four traits are excellent. He can hit. He can hit for power. He just won the Platinum Glove as the best defender and the Metrics back it up. I believe he led the majors and outs above average. He led shortstops. Or, or not, at least shortstops, but... Yeah. He led, like, regular shortstops. Yeah. I think uh, Lindor and Ahmed beat him out. Well, excellent defender. Excellent hitter who can hit for contact and power. Uh, I told one of my friends, 270 is the new 300. Hit 279. He can walk a lot. There's a lot to like with Correa as a ball player. And, and he is 48th percentile in sprint speed. Eh, average. Yeah. So he's a great overall player. There's obviously the stench of the sign stealing scandal. I think that's just always going to follow him as a player. Uh, yeah, probably. People don't forget. I mean, heck, hmm. Joe Jackson still isn't in the Hall of Fame a hundred years later. Yeah. Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, Joe Jackson know. really should be in. And I have a feeling we're going to have this discussion with a bunch of steroid-era players 50 years from now. Baseball yep. fans, don't forget your transgressions. But if he wanted to prove that he didn't need the sign-stealing from 2017, <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. He did a great job of it. And even in 2019, in a, uh, in a partial season, he still had a 142 WRC plus with 21 home runs in just 75 games. Yeah. The talent is clearly there, and whoever signs him will be very fortunate to have a player of that caliber probably for the next decade plus. Yes, whether that's the Yankees or back to the Astros or, or the Cubs, the Cubs, or the Marlins, or I don't know. Yeah. We could spend a good 10 minutes just speculating where he would go. Yeah. There are 20 teams that should be in on Correa. He's just that good of a player, and he will be for a while. Yes. But he's not number one. And number one, like I said, it was by one vote. Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis is controversial. A lot of people have been quick to slap him with the overrated label. However, the numbers don't say so. Tatis is going into his age 23 season, and in 546 plate appearances in 2021, he put up a 156 WRC+, 6.1 Fangraphs War, 42 home runs, and 9.3 base running runs above average. That was in the top five in the majors. He also, by the way, people talk about his glove. Last year, he was plus two outs above average as a shortstop. Since the time that Tatis debuted, he has a 153 WRC+. Plus. That is second in that span among all players with at least 1,000 plate appearances behind only Juan Soto, who's the second coming of Ted Williams, he also, in that span, has 12.8 F4. That's ninth among all position players. Tatis is otherworldly talented. He hits for so much power. He's the king of hard hit rate. He's electric. He's so fast. He has incredible range in the field. He just sometimes throws the ball to the next state. I love watching Tatis play. He is so talented. Great player. Yeah, five-tool player. I've thrown that around a lot, but I mean, I think the glove can get there. He's I do too. Twenty. He's going to be twenty-three years old. You can't. You're going to tell me that he's going to remain meh defensively. He's got the work ethic. He's got yes. the. He's got the ability. speed. He's got the. Baseball IQ, what? It's very clear why he is the number one shortstop. I would, if we were make, if I were making my top one hundred list right now, he'd easily be in my top five. Yeah, I had him fourth. Yeah, have I made my top one hundred list? Uh, next question. But <laughs> overall, his lowest WRC plus in a season is one fifty. It's one fifty. He. That's his worst season as a hitter, he, and he's still 50% better than the average major league hitter. And he finished fourth in MVP voting that year because, of course, he did. He's because incredible. He's elite. Now, he's a Dodger killer, too, and everyone's going to love that about him. So, I mean, personally, I don't care. I, I mean... Someone's got to do it, I guess, right? There's just that random player who's really good against that one team. Plus, everyone hates the Dodgers. Go ahead. I, As for the overrated part, people are just haters. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to call him that if you're a troll, but he was on the cover of MLB The Show, Yeah. which is pretty impressive to do in general. And he did it at the age of 21 or 22 out or 22. I think he did it at a very young age and he's easily going to be the face of baseball for the next 
decade. He's going to be the face of the Padres for the next decade, which is a major win for them. He will be a major thorn in the sides of the Dodgers. And I, I mean, as much as I hate facing him, I do look forward to that because those Padres Dodgers games were really fun to watch. They were electric. You know, it's, I did that live up to, you know, the second coming of the mid 2000s Yankees Red Sox. I don't think so, but I think part of that was, the Dodgers, like their main rival is the Giants, and the Giants' main yes. rival is the Dodgers. It's tough for the Padres to break into that category of rivalry when they aren't the Dodgers' main rival. Now, if yes. they were the Giants, if you were a Giant, it would probably be that type of rivalry. Absolutely. But it's probably going to be the closest we get to that type of hatred for. And it it's kind of one sided just because everyone hates the Dodgers. It's fine, I don't care. Let them hate the bad guys. Tatis is fun enough. I think he. Every story needs a villain. I'm fine with the Dodgers being the villain if Tatis can be the good guy, because every rivalry needs the hero, and I think he's going to be the hero of this rivalry, which. Isn't going to be fun for Dodgers fans, but he's so freaking talented. It's like I'm talking years and years down the line because he just he's so so young and he's so good. He's so good. He's so energetic to stay healthy. I mean, he has that. That's my only concern with him. And that's why he was not my number one player. So, yeah, that's a fair concern. I look forward to playing against him. I hope Dodgers pitchers can figure him out because he's a Dodger killer. (laughs) As much as you were saying in the last episode, people like to hate on the Padres. It's hard to hate on Fernando Tatis, especially if he does what he does against a team they probably hate more. Yes. So now we get to do the fun part. I'm going to put our lists up on screen. And I will read them off for people who are just listening to this and not watching it. To recap, the overall Diamond Digest list was 1. Fernando Tatis, 2. Carlos Correa, 3. Trey Turner, 4. Corey Seager, 5. Xander Bogarts, 6. Wander Franco, 7. Trevor Story, 8. Francisco Lindor, 9. Tim Anderson, and 10. Bo Bichette. My personal list, I'm in lockstep on who the players are. And I agree on the top four, Tatis, Correa, Turner, Seeger, then Franco, five, Bogart, six, Anderson, seven, Lindor, eight, Bichette, nine, and Story, ten. James, do you want to read your list off here? Yeah, um, so I had Correa as the number one, Seeger is the number two for Homer reasons. I- I'm worried I've been a bit of a Homer and I've been focused on the Dodgers too much this episode, but... <laughs> It's easy to focus know. on them. They're a great team. I, I've had nothing to talk about this postseason or winter. God, it's been so long since I've been able to talk about baseball. Yeah. Sorry for the sidetrack. Tatis was three. Turner, four. Franco, uh, as I stated previously, was five. Trevor Story was my number six player. Willie Adames was my number seven, and that's the major... That's a major surprise yeah, being we'll alluded to at the that. beginning. Xander Bogarts was 8. Tim Anderson was 9. Lindor was 10. So, uh, okay. I like Adamas. I think he's a good player. How did you put him over? He's not a good fielder, and he's not as good of a hitter as Bogarts. How did you put him over Bogarts? How did you put him over Anderson? Uh, I, I'm a believer in his ability to get better defensively in Milwaukee and watching him hit with the Brewers this season, he was just phenomenal. So that was the main, that was the main thing. He's younger. He still has the, he still has room to grow as a player and he hit a a career high 25 home runs and walked at a career best. So this is more of a gambler's pick than anything else, but I love Willie Adames and his game. 
And I think getting out of Tampa Bay was the best thing possible for him and for the Rays because his replacement is already above him on this list. Yeah. And he, I think that had something to do with it. And he needed to get out of that cursed stadium. Well, everyone needs to. But that's it. That's for a different day. But I think that sapped into some of his production early in the 2021 season was here because ball players can easily say, oh, it doesn't bother me. This stuff does bother them. They're human. Like, and knowing that the number one prospect in baseball is in your system and, oh, yeah, you play for the cost-cutting Rays. So you, you know that you have to be at your very best the entire year or else they will replace you. That's got to be stressful. And once he got to Milwaukee, he was playing more relaxed. And as a result, he was just so much better as a hitter. So He, he was legitimately excellent once he got to the Brewers. It was mostly just looking at Adames as a brewer and not as a brewer and a Ray in 2021. And I think that production will continue just because he's entering his age 26 season. There's a lot to like about him as a young shortstop. And I think not having Wander Franco just looking up at him in the depth chart is going to be very <clears throat> helpful for Adames th this season as he go uh, as he prepares for his first full season with the Brewers. Yeah, if he repeats what he did as a Brewer last year, then he's definitely in this top ten. I couldn't quite pull the trigger on it now, but I do get your point. It, it was a value play as much as as much as it was a. Uh, liking his, liking what he does because he was number eleven. He had just missed the list, so it wasn't. He just missed. It's not like I'm putting Edmundo Sosa, yeah, in the top ten. No offense, to Edmundo Sosa. I just don't think you're a top ten shortstop. Yeah, and before we finish up here, I just wanted to mention a couple guys who play also play this position and are good. Who. We didn't get to talk about, not that I really want to talk about any of them at length, I just, as a reminder of how good the shortstop position is, some guys we haven't mentioned, J.P. Crawford, Dansby Swanson, Onyel Cruz, Onyel Cruz got top 10 votes, by the way, Nick Ahmed, we mentioned, he got some votes, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Nick Allen got some votes, there are a lot of really talented shortstops. And Dalton Simmons is still around. There's a lot of great shortstops around right now. I probably forgot some. There's Ahmed Rosario. Just a lot of great players. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can say is uh, Anyel Cruz probably isn't going to be a top 10 shortstop just because he's going to be an outfielder, I guess. But he's That's still a very talented player. Yeah, he's going to rake. It's just he's giant, and that usually doesn't play. You know, we're, we're bemoaning Corey Seager for his <laughs> defensive abilities, and a lot of people were very surprised at Carlos Correa for having the defensive season that he did just because he's also a very tall shortstop. Yeah, he's a big guy. It just isn't how... Tall players just don't typically do as well at shortstop. Yeah. But that's okay because shortstop isn't the only position. And if you can hit at shortstop, especially if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, <laughs> hey, we'll let, you, we'll let you play there. Yeah, hopefully we see Cruz on one of these lists next year. I think but, he has the potential to be on one of these lists next year. I do too. But that'll be a wrap for this episode. You were listening to the top 10 right now from Diamond Digest. If you're watching this episode, you can see the links to our websites and socials scrolling across the bottom of the screen. 
If not, I'll read them off to you. You can find us and all of our writing at diamond-digest.com. You can find us on Twitter at diamond underscore digest or on Instagram at diamond.digest. For James, I was your host, Sean Huff, and you were listening to the Top 10 Shortstops right now. Hope you enjoyed, and before you criticize us, please remember to make your own lists. I will talk to you all next time an episode comes out. Good night, everybody. Good night.